This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. All right, uh, let me just say we're in our series, Supernatural. Okay, and how many believe in a supernatural God? Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. But here's the problem. We know that God's supernatural, but we have a hard time accepting the fact that he wants to do supernatural things in our lives. That God wants to interact with you intimately. That God wants to provide for you and he wants to perform miracles. Amen. God wants you to know you've touched him. And so we're studying that in this new series, Supernatural. Coming up in a few weeks, we're going to have a couple messages uh, that show how the, uh, the spiritual beings uh, that are around us and how they all point to Jesus. I, I think every message should point to Jesus ultimately. But today I want to bring you a message entitled, uh, Where Miracles Hide. Where Miracles Hide. And we're going to go back to an Old Testament passage in 2 Kings chapter number 4 and verse number 1 to begin this study on where miracles hide. Hide. Second Kings. Uh, this is a verse we've come around to a couple times in the last few years, and I have never seen it the way that I saw it today. So, Second Kings chapter four, beginning in verse number one. There now there cried a woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets. She says this unto Elijah, saying. Thy servant, notice this, thy servant. I had never noticed that until I began preaching this in the last servant. Thy servant, thy what? Servant. Thy servant, my husband is dead. She says, now look, I'm qualifying this statement. I want you to know who I'm talking about. This is someone who you know, and he's dead. Here's the catalyst for my problems. Here's the struggles. Thy servant is dead. Then she goes on to say, now you know that thy servant feared the Lord. Uh, this is King James up here, but thou know that my husband is dead. He was your servant. Thus, you know my husband was a God-fearing man. Puts it in the right place, okay? Thy servant is dead. The one who faithfully supported your ministry, faithfully was here. He's dead, and he was God-fearing. And now the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be slaves. My two sons are going to be sold into slavery to pay the debt that my husband has left, and he's dead. Catalyst of the problem. Husband died. The problem is he's in debt, and the payment is, are the sons. And Elisha says unto her, what shall I do for you? Tell me. Watch this. What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? And she said, thine handmaid hath not anything in the house. I don't have anything in the house. And then as almost an afterthought, she says, except a little bit of oil. Then he said, go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors. In other words, go get all the vessels you can get, get all the pots you can, even empty vessels borrow not a few. Isn't that interesting? I, never, I haven't noticed that to this point. It says, go get all the vessels you can, even those that are empty. It doesn't matter what's in them. You just need to get prepared for something to be in them. Notice this part, borrow not a few. And when thou art come into thine house, when you come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons. 
and shalt pour out in all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him, shut the door upon her, and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. This is important. And it came to pass when the vessels were full. The vessels were what? Full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more. And the oil stopped or stayed. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil. I want you to notice that even after the miracle, she was not sure what her answer was. And the man of God said, go sell the oil and pay thy debt and live thou and thy children off of the rest or the excess. Live off the more than enough. And the Lord bless his word. As we're talking about miracles, supernatural moves of God, here's what I found. Nobody really likes to be in the place to need a miracle. We all want to shout over a miracle. Come on now. We all want to get excited about a miracle. What I go, well, praise God, the, the lame are walking over there at that church. Well, let me just ask you, people come to me and they'll say, why don't we see miracles? And I'll say, all right, what miracle do you want to see? Well, I want to see blind eyes open. I'll say, okay, pick out which one of your children you want to go blind. Nobody likes that. Pastor, we want to see the dead raised. Okay, well, we want to pray you die and then you can get up. Are you ready? No, not me. You see, we want to see the supernatural, but we don't want to be in the place to need the supernatural. We want God to move, but we don't really want to be in the place where we need God to move because we want to shout over your testimony, but we want our testimony to be how excited we are about your testimony. And God is putting us in places sometimes that it's not somebody else's testimony that's going to make the difference, it's our testimony. And that's what happens in this very story. This woman didn't want to end up in the shape that she was in. And I think we have a hard time understanding the story because nobody's going to come and arrest your children and sell them as slaves because you owe a debt. Nobody's going to do that in the society we're in, but in the society that she's in, she is in trouble. Not only was her husband gone, but now her future lays in her sons, and they're taking her sons away. Not only was it her husband lost, and her, now her sons are being lost, she's losing her future as well. It's all coming to a, cr- a crushing head for her. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know where to turn. And the problem that we're missing is the very uh, key thing. When you don't know where to turn, you must identify and know where to turn. Because when you feel like you have nowhere to go, you, have, you must know where to go. And I didn't see it until the beginning of the, of, of the very first service today, where you're really supposed to go. And I found it in the passage because this is what the scripture says. It says, she came unto Elisha and she says, you know me and you know my husband because we've been here before. We've come to this place and heard you talk about God before. We've come and served God before. And so when I didn't know where else to go, I knew where I really needed to go. And it was back to where I'd heard from God before. And when you need a miracle and you need a touch from God, the key is this. When you don't know where to turn, you really ought to know where to turn, and that's to Jesus. And she said, I've heard from God before, and I know he can, I can hear from him again. Now, maybe some of you aren't getting this today, but I really want you to understand what, I, what I'm talking about. But I want you to get it. I want you to grasp that you can have such a relationship with Jesus that no matter what comes your way, you'll still keep serving Jesus. No matter what knocks you down, you're still going to keep serving Jesus. And whether or not what you thought you were the deal you were trying to work out with God actually comes through or not, you still keep serving Jesus. Because most of us say, okay, God, you do this, I'll do this, and we'll both be happy. And God says, no, 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 no. I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to make you whole. Man, I am so glad y'all are not helping me preach like the other services because I've already given all I had. If you just say amen one more time, we might have church. Come on, amen. 
And see, that's the problem. Most of us don't know where to go because we've not already gone there. And the key to victory is living a consistent spiritual life so that when hard times come, we know where to go when we have nowhere to go because we know who Jesus already is. And we're not looking for a prayer closet. We've already got one that's kind of worn in. One of the most exciting things, I looked down one day by my prayer chair at my house, and and the carpet looked worn by the prayer chair. And I thought, maybe I need a new carpet. I said, no, I'm finally making progress. It shows I've been here before. Your life can show that you've been in prayer before. And so that when the devil thinks he's dealt you a blow that knocks you out, instead of not knowing where to go, you know where to go. And you find your way to God and you say, God, here I am. I'm the same person that was here last week when things were good. And I'm here today in the bad times because you're still God. Knowing where to go. Getting in the presence of the living God. Knowing that God is in control. This woman is overwhelmed emotionally. She's overwhelmed spiritually. uh, She's overwhelmed financially. And when she could not find her bearings, she almost went into, uh, forgive me for saying it this way, but autopilot. And autopilot said, I need a word. And she found her way. You know, as I was preaching this message in the last service about a, a woman whose husband died unexpectedly and there's a ton of debt and they don't know what to do, there was a little widow sitting in one of these sections and she just locked eyes on me like, why are you talking about my mess in front of everybody? But I'm going to say that she's done the same thing that this woman did because I've watched her come into this house and I've watched her hurt and I've watched her pain as her husband's not even been dead a year yet and I've watched the struggles and things she's went through but I've also watched her throw up her hands and declare God's still God and God's still good. Why? Because sometimes you got to go on the autopilot where you've already been, you're going to keep going and you're not going to let the devil separate you from the love of God. You're going to push in and push further and know him more, amen. Now look, I know it's baby dedication day, and I know it's baptism day, and I almost succeeded in behaving last week, but apparently that's not going to happen this week, okay? Why? Because we're talking about how to find a miracle. And when you know where to go, here's the key, you have to position yourself for a miracle. See, most of us want to blame God for where we are, and we never position ourselves for our deliverance. But this woman says, I'm going to get to where God is, and I'm going to position myself for a miracle. And I love how the man of God responds to her. He responds to her with a simple question. He says, okay, what do you have? What do you have in your house? Tell me, what hast thou in thy house? And she said, your handmaiden, she she, she quickly says, look, I, I don't have anything really. There's not anything in my house. And then almost sarcastically, she responds, all I have is a, is a little thing of oil. All I have is a tiny little thing of oil. That's all. (laughs) Like that could do anything. How many know God's just, daring you to wonder if he can do anything with something. You know, when I was studying for this message, I, I just felt overwhelmed, compelled to find an illustration I'd used a few years ago, and, and I had to search for it, and, and, and it didn't really make sense, but, but it, it finally did. Uh, and I was like, okay, God, what are you trying to say to us? Here's what the truth is. What he's really saying is there's probably already something in your house that God can use for his glory if you're just willing to give it to him. And then you might have a miracle. But most of us, we're too focused on what we don't have, and we don't focus on who we do know in Christ, that we never get our miracle. I want you to get the simple simple truth of how God could use a little bit of oil. He says to her, what do you have in your house? And and she says, all I have is a little bit of oil. The story that God took me back to was a simple story about a little woman who had a great dream of opening her own restaurant. That's it. She just wanted to have her own restaurant. Some of you said, that may not be a dream, it might be a nightmare. I don't know. But her dream was to open a restaurant. 
She didn't know what she could do. She couldn't get a loan. She couldn't find this. And then one day as she lay upon her bed, as she had done for most of her life, dreaming of owning her own restaurant, she thought, I'm going to sell anything I have of value. And she thought and remembered that some years back, exactly 20 years before, someone had given her something. And she thought, I wonder if it has any value. And let me just tell you this story. There was an elderly gentleman who had no family And his caretaker, this woman, had done such a good job, he wanted to bestow a blessing upon her before he would leave this world. So he took and he gave her his most prized possession, a baseball bat. Now what does a young single woman do when she's given a baseball bat? She thinks, well, the best place for this baseball bat is right under the edge of my bed in case a burglar breaks in so I can beat him with a baseball bat. And she takes that baseball bat and she shoves it under the corner of her bed. And for 20 years, that baseball bat lay there collecting dust under the corner of her bed. Watch this now. And one day when she came to that place, she said, I'll see if it's worth anything. And so she pulled it out from under the bed and she dusted it off. And when she dusted it off, she saw a name. And the name uh, she recognized quickly, not even being a real baseball fan, but she understood the name Babe Ruth. She quickly took the bat and had it appraised. See, the bat was the missing bat that had, been, that had been given away in a contest to a 16-year-old boy, and this was, this was what gave the bat its famous uh, search that had occurred for it. This bat is the bat that Babe Ruth w- looked at his manager and said, it's opening game, my first at bat in Yankee, Yankee Stadium, wouldn't it be great if I hit a home run? Brand new opening day of the brand new Yankee Stadium, and Babe Ruth walks out, stares down the pitcher, and knocks it out of the park. He signs the bat quickly, hands it to the competition people who were, who were, who were the, the people who were collecting it to take to the winner of a little league competition, and this man was the winner. And he had taken it, and he had treasured it his whole life, and he didn't know what to do with it, so he gave it to this woman who just took it home, threw it under the bed, but when she pulled it out from under the bed, saw whose name was on it, and when the name changed everything, I want you to catch that, the name changed everything, and when the name changed everything, she took it to the store, quickly they made her an offer, she was smart not to take it, and then then they gave her $1.26 million for the bat under her bed. Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, honey, check under the bed. See what's under the bed. Come on now. Check under the bed. $1.26 million for the bat. She not only opened her own restaurant, but she gave to a charity for, that Babe Ruth had started for boys from underprivileged homes. She uh, gave forward, and, she kept, and, the, and the gift keeps going on. I tell you that story to tell you this. The change that happened was not the bat. It wasn't even the gift, but it was the name that was put upon what she had. And the name upon what she had made the difference. I don't care if all you have is just a little something and you think you're down to the wire. It's the name that's put upon it that makes a difference. And when you take whatever you have into your hand, in the name of Jesus Christ, there will be a change. There will be a difference. There will be a miracle in your house. And I love what he says. He says to her, he says, go and borrow vessels. Now what he doesn't say to her is that I'm going to do a miracle by filling all the vessels. What he says is go borrow vessels. Now what, what is that about? Why should I go borrow vessels? Why should I do this thing when I don't understand what the outcome's going to be? Are you with me? Why should I keep moving when I don't see the outcome? God, if you'll just show me what the end's going to be, I don't mind taking a step of faith. But what he's really saying is faith is not faith unless uh, you can't see the outcome. Now, most of us want to know, okay, so if I go get it, you're going to fill it? And listen to this. He says, go and do without telling her the result. Now, I get awkward. Just If I run out of sugar, I just won't make the item. I'm not going next door and asking the neighbor that's lived there for years. 
That's not my nature. I'm not going to run across there. I mean, unless it's Pastor Michael, and then he's already borrowed enough from me. I can borrow from him. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. But, uh, but most of the time, we're not going to do that, all right? We're not going to go because I don't want... But could you imagine just having to go and knock on doors? Hey, can I, can I have uh, all your cookware? What did you say? Can I borrow every Tupperware bowl in your house? Uh, no. You know, ask for one. Well, give me whatever you'll give me. She was sent on a journey to ask for something she didn't know what was. The reason many of you are not having miracles in your life is because you want to know the outcome and you're not trusting God. Now watch this. Simple illustration. Most of us are very much like the African Impala. We have the ability to soar. We just don't have the faith in ourselves. The African Impala can jump an astounding 10 feet high, straight up. It can launch itself way in the air 30 feet, 30 feet. So when you capture the African Impala and you bring it to a zoo, how tall do you think the fence needs to be to keep the African Impala in? Are you ready for this? If it can jump 10 feet high, do you think it needs to be 10 and a half feet? 15? What if instead of 10, it were 8? What if it weren't eight, it was six? What if it weren't six, it was four? What if it were only three foot tall? Do you think an animal that can jump 10 foot and high and 30 feet long would stay in a fence that was only three foot high? And the reality is yes, that's all it takes. It only takes a three foot fence to keep an impala in. Why? Because that three foot fence, when placed in the right way, the impala cannot see where it would land. And so an animal that could easily win and be free stays captive because it can't see where it would land. God sent me with a message today to tell you, you may not always see where you're going to land, but have faith in God. And when his word has told you to honor him, keep honoring him. And when God has spoken to you, even if you don't know how you're going to walk on the water, step out anyways, because God's faithful. He said, and while you're out there borrowing vessels, borrow not a few. Are you hearing me? Borrow not a few. Why does he say borrow not a few? He says borrow not a few because he's saying have enough faith to impress God. Now, most of us would go out and get a few vessels and, and maybe she could have got three or four and three or four jars of oil might have been enough to free one of her sons and then the other son would have been sold. Or maybe if she'd gotten seven, eight, nine, it might have been enough to free her sons, but then they'd have to go back into debt just so they wouldn't starve to death so they'd still be in trouble and, 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 and they would be borrowing just a little bit. And it reminds me of the, what I call the saddest miracle in the Bible. Hemia goes, any miracle's not sad, right? No, it's the saddest miracle in the Bible. So this woman, she eventually got enough that she had more than enough. But there's this other widow who's in the same boat. She's preparing to die. Things are in trouble in her life. And God himself, who speaks to her but God? Say that with me. Who? God speaks to her and says, hey, the man of God's coming. Make him a cake. Now, I think God's in you making the man of God a cake. Now, I really do think it's a good thing. Nobody volunteered. Miss Judy right there, she's not here in here. Her husband's right there. She, she does that often. I pray God blesses her many times over. But God says, make him a cake. She says, I can't make the man of God a cake. We don't have enough just to eat ourselves. And so she disobeys God. And when the man of God finally arrives, like God said he was coming, uh, she's out picking up sticks to make a fire so that she can go and make a last meal and die. She has not done what God told her to do. And so the man of God looks at her and says, go do what God told you to do and make me a cake. And she says, well, fine, I'm going to die anyways. Might as well die today instead of tomorrow. And she goes and makes him a cake. Now watch this. 
I've heard people my whole life shout over this miracle. Oh, and from that day forward, as long as the famine continued, there was just enough every day for her family to stay alive. And that's the saddest miracle in the Bible because there was just enough. I want to tell you, I really believe that if she had obeyed God in the beginning, that there wouldn't have been just enough in the barrel to survive. There would have been more than enough in the barrel to survive because God could have used her to bless the whole community. See, this woman, we're still talking about her all these years later, blessed because she obeyed God and there was more than enough. But the problem is this lady had far too low of an opinion of God. And I guess that's the question I have to ask you, how big's your God? Because how, big, how many of you are going to borrow is based on how big your God is. How really big is your God? How, how able is your God? I think one of the reasons we don't really get miracles in our lives is because we're afraid to ask. And I can't stand up here and be a hypocrite because I was a little bit afraid to ask last week, but you know, we're trying to move forward in our new building and they're doing the engineering and all this kind of stuff. And there's this one piece of property that, that's jutting in and messing up everything. And, and, and I, if you were here Wednesday night, you know the end of the story. You just don't know the very end of the story. It's jutting into everything. And I'm like, this is messing up the whole plan. They're like, well, we, we can't do this. And we can't do that. And you're going to have to go around this way. And I'm like, we need that piece of property, but they're not going to sell us that property. It's not for sale. And Pastor Danny over there said, Pastor, why don't we just believe God? It's like, what? He's like, let's have a little faith. I'm like, you're telling me about faith? He's like, let's have a little faith. My brother said, we're going to pray about it. God's going to move. And at 4.30, we had the presentation at 7. At 4.30 on last Wednesday afternoon, the man who said he wasn't going to sell the property said, if the church needs it, you can buy it. Now, hold on. It gets better than that. And he said, I'm going to sell it to you for $25,000, but we need to do it now. And I'm going, well, where are we going to get $25,000? And we came into a Wednesday night crowd that's a lot less of this. And I stood up and I said, now, look, I know our Wednesday night offering is not this kind of money, but here's what we need. And we've got X amount already, but we need a pretty big chunk to be able to make this reality. And Wednesday night with a small crowd in this place, we had 20, almost $20,000 come in. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You see, the thing was... I'm not just believing God for that little piece of property. I'm believing God for the whole situation. I'm believing God's going to move and God's going to change because I don't want us to look at God in a small way. The Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways. Can I get an amen? amen. And so if God's ways are higher than our ways, how high is our God and how great is his ability? But, but I, I think we have this misconception that God's just a little bit bigger than a human, that God's just a little bit greater than mankind's ability. So we only ask God for stuff that barely a human could provide that's just out of our reach. But God's ways are higher than our ways. I want to tell you how high God's ways are for just a moment. As a matter of fact, I want you to understand what astrophysicists say. Astrophysicists say that the galaxy is 15.5 billion light years in, in, in size. From where we are, 15.5 billion light years, the galaxies extend. Now to understand a light year, I want you to understand what can happen in a light year in, a, in the speed of light in a second, okay? Light moves at 186,000 miles uh, per second. I want you to get that, okay? So let me just help me for a moment. Just, just uh, uh, snap your fingers. Would you do that? And the time it took you to snap your fingers, light went around the earth six times. At that speed, I think we have misunderstood how much higher and how much greater our God is. We have this image of God being somewhere just higher than Santa Claus and maybe just a little bit lower than the president or, or God being somewhere up in here. But God is, I believe, about 15.5 billion light years higher than we could ever ask or even begin to imagine and think. And the reason that God's not moving for us is instead of glorifying his name, we're saying, God, maybe if you could or God, maybe you'd make me feel better. And God's looking for somebody who'll step out and say, I've been here before. I know what you can do and I'm trusting you to move for me no matter what needs to be done. Why don't you stand with me real quickly today and I'll try to close. All right. Watch what the word says. It says, and she kept pouring.
until the need was met. Most of us stop pouring when the first miracle occurs. But God's looking for a people who will keep pouring, who will keep dreaming, who will keep believing. Are you keeping the poor going in your life? Are you pouring out your faith, trusting God that one miracle will just lead to another? You know, I told you about how God moved for our property. God must be up to something. I remember 20 years ago, maybe a little bit more now, but over around 20 years ago, we were out of space. We didn't even have this building yet, and we were full. It was, it was, it was awful. And we didn't have enough room for all the children God had sent us. So I prayed a prayer. God, you know what we need. And I was driving down Highway 9, and some of you will remember where this was, but I was driving down Highway 9 and where the food center used to be. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? There were all these trailers on the side of the road at the food center. Now it's where the educational building was. They were about ready to set up the alternative school there, and I didn't know. And I'm just driving along, and as I'm driving along, all of a sudden these trailers catch my attention, and God spoke to me. He said, "By a call on those trailers. I said, Lord, I don't have any money. He said, call on those trailers. I said, God, I don't know what I'm going to do if they say they're for sale, but I, if you say call, I'll call. So I, I came home, and or came back to the office, and I, I found the phone book. Anybody remember one of those? And I opened the phone book, and I found the Board of Education, and I called, and all I can figure is a lot of people had called, and they had started to think it was pretty funny. And I, I, they answered the phone, Board of Education, and I said, yeah, I was calling about those trailers. And they said, hold on, we know who you need to talk to. And so they put me on, and I'm just going to call him Joe. And, and, and so Joe answers the phone. This is how he answered the phone. Hello? I should have known I was in trouble right then. I said, yeah, uh, I, this, I was calling about those trailers out at the food center. And this is, no joke, this is how he responded. Those trailers aren't for sale. Why does everybody think it's so funny to want to sell, buy those trailers? The, the school put them out there for a reason. Who is this? He was yelling at me, so I just decided to yell back. I said, Pastor Don. Hoping the pastor part would calm him down. But instead, he almost spit my name back. He said, well, Pastor Don, what do you want those trailers for? I just thought, why break the groove now? I said, to tell kids about Jesus. Watch this. He screams back at me, fine then, Pastor, you can't have those, but I got five I'll give you. Come get them. I said, fine. <laughs> that wasn't the last miracle we we're going to need. It's 2008, 10, wherever the, all the crash had happened. Worst time financially for our whole community. People starving, uh, uh, not willing to come to our free food. Uh, multiple families in our church losing their homes. First time in the history of our church, I, I just said, I'll forfeit any part of my salary so our, our staff doesn't lose their jobs, whatever we need to do. Tough time. We'd rented two buildings, one for a Spanish congregation and one for a little thrift store. And, and, and I didn't know what to do. And God began to just impress those buildings on my heart. And I thought it was because we needed to get rid of one of them because we couldn't afford both of them. And and I said, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And God spoke to me clearly. And he said, son, rent another one. I said, Lord, you don't understand the prayer. I need to get rid of one. He said, no, rent another one. And so I rented the old firehouse, fire station. Didn't even know what we were going to do with it. All I knew, you just saw that conversation with Pastor Gwen. I was like, Pastor Gwen, you know that money we're trying to cut? I just doubled it. I said, but God spoke to me. And she said, well, then I'll so obey God. We opened a little grocery store 
has literally touched tens and tens of thousands of lives of families that wouldn't come for free food, but they'll come for discounted food. And God's never let us down. See, the reason you have to keep pouring is because one miracle might get you some of the way, but God didn't call you to just make it some of the way in joy. He's called you to make it all the way in joy. And that doesn't mean you're ever going to find yourself in a place where you don't need miracles because then you're in trouble. And as long as you're trusting in God, keep pouring out in faith and watch what God can do. Would you bow your heads with me? today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 815, 930, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.